The In Search of America podcast, copyright 2017, all rights reserved. Music by Keith Medley at keithmedleymusic.com. Episode 31, J.R. Toothman Interview. I am sitting here with J.R. Toothman, who is the second-generation owner of Toothman Ford here in Grafton, West Virginia. This may seem like an odd subject for an In Search of America podcast, but I can assure you that it is perfectly suited. This story is twofold in its appropriateness for a story about America. First, it is a story about surviving the downturns that have plagued much of rural America over the past few decades, and surviving against the odds that caused so many businesses to fail. But it is also a story of community, and a community spirit that takes care of its own. Hello, JR, and welcome to the table. Tell me the story of Toothman Ford. Yeah, it's a kind of an interesting story. Uh, my dad was working for U.S. Steel in Pittsburgh at the time, and uh, he was a cost accountant. And my mother's brother had the Ford dealership here in Grafton. It was called Kent Parsons Ford. And he was looking to move to uh, a town in the eastern panhandle, West Virginia, Martinsburg, and start a Ford dealership. So he was going to need to sell this. And uh, he had asked my dad if he would be interested. And my dad uh, told me, and my, this has always stuck with me, he said, I don't think that U.S. Steel would have noticed if I didn't show up for work for two months. You know, it was one of those positions where he felt helpless, uh, just not making an impact. And uh, he was able to uh, capitalize his portion of it for $5,000. And uh, he uh, had a partner that put up the rest. Uh, he knew nothing about the automotive business. And he was 22, 23 years old, the youngest Ford dealer in the country at that point, And uh, learned on the fly and moved my uh, mom and my sisters, both of my sisters down here. I was not yet born. And... Uh, uh, the rest is history. And didn't you just celebrate 50 years in business? Yeah, actually, it was just last week. We had a uh, celebration at the dealership and uh, such, and my mom and dad were able to come in. They're, they're in Florida uh, the majority of the time now, but uh, they uh, they were able to come in, and uh, it was it was, it was was great uh, to be able to, to be together and you know celebrate with a lot of our customers and our employees and that type of thing. It, it, was, it was a good experience. So you were born and raised here in Grafton, West Virginia. Yes, I was born in Philippi, just a town over, but basically was raised here. My whole life educated here uh, until I graduated high school and then uh, I went to school at the University of Miami in Florida. What did you study at the university? Uh, business and finance. Thank goodness. Well, yeah, it wasn't intentional. Actually, my parents gave me a blessing by not forcing or even encouraging the automotive business on me. To be honest with you, I I grew up thinking that I wanted to get out of West Virginia and out of, uh, you know, even Grafton and see other things. And, I, and I, I have. I've been fortunate enough to travel and do a lot of neat things. And uh, spending four years in a metropolitan city was a great experience for me. I wouldn't trade it. I think it in some ways helped to mold what I am, uh, opened up my mind to different things. Uh, but at the same time, it helped me appreciate uh, some of the values such that I had grown up with. 
Have you seen much change in Grafton from the time that you were growing up until now? When I was a grade school kid, probably in the early 1980s, I think my parents did a good job of sheltering me from the fact that business was really bad. Somehow I'm 45 now and I feel like my parents were way more adult at 45 than what I am. And uh, I don't know how to describe that. Maybe everybody feels that at some point in their life, but uh, they, they did a good job of sheltering us from concerns and things. Looking back now, I realize that they, you know, endured a lot of hardships and different difficult times in the community did as well uh, with different businesses shutting down, leaving, uh, the economy being rough, interest rates being, you know, crazy high. But we were we were sheltered from that and it was a good place to grow up. Crime was always low. We, we would ride our bikes anywhere we wanted to without fear of basically anything. And, uh, you know, everybody was, you know, it was a community. It was, it was, a, it was a tremendous place to grow up. In its own strange way, there's always a sense of community. In West Virginia, and I've said this, I could meet somebody in an airport in Chicago tomorrow that's from West Virginia, and somehow I could piece together somebody that they know. Because it's just, oh, you're from Parkersburg. I know so-and-so. Okay, well, I know them. And through, like, the seven degrees of Kevin Bacon, you can you can know somebody in common. My understanding is that through the Ford dealership, you now give back in different ways to the community that has essentially supported you throughout the years. Yeah, we've been fortunate enough, you know, from a business standpoint to be able to do that. And I feel like I don't want to call it an obligation, but I do feel like it's part of our quest as a as a member of this community and society that we kind of pay it forward and appreciate the things that, you know, the blessings we've been given, whether you call that from a spiritual standpoint or whether it just be from the community. And either way, it's just something we feel pretty strongly about. Uh, We've been fortunate enough to be able to do that and we hope to be able to do that as we move forward. JR, when we talked earlier before this interview began, you had mentioned a few things that you have done recently in honor of your 50th anniversary. And I think that those things really deserve to be mentioned. We donated $50,000 to uh, WVU uh, Children's Hospital, and it started a uh, pediatric cancer endowment. My son lost a friend when they were in fourth grade to leukemia. Uh, Another little girl locally who is thriving now several years ago who was a friend of my daughter's and she had leukemia. And and I've been, we've been active with uh, the Children's Hospital Telethon as the corporate sponsor for the last four or five years and getting exposed to that and, uh, you know, what the families go through. It's not just, uh, you know, obviously the child is the main focus, but uh, the whole family's affected. Uh, Siblings are affected. The parents are affected. It it throws their whole world into uh, turmoil and, uh, if we can help to uh, alleviate some of that financial burden and assist them with the best possible care, then uh, we, feel, we feel good about that. But you have also done things for the local community as well on more personal levels, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, we've uh, we did something in uh, November to commemorate our 50th anniversary, where we did a $500 donation every day leading up to uh, to the anniversary date, and um, you know we chose uh, like a backpack program, the Senior Center Hospice. Uh, we, we tried to handpick, uh, you know, Catholic charities, not so much from the religious standpoint, but they run a food pantry that helps feed, uh, you know, people that are, you know, unable to afford meals or that type of thing. 
Um, there was another program I thought was pretty neat. A 14-year-old boy came up with, uh, I think it was associated with the Boy Scouts, but it was his idea, and it was like a, a hat and glove project. And what they do is they tie the uh, the bags to a light pole or that type of thing, and people can pick them up, and they can pick them up at night or that type of thing, so they don't necessarily face the embarrassment of taking a handout or what they perceive to be an embarrassment. Uh, so I thought that was a pretty neat idea, especially for a 14-year-old or a 12-year-old. I can't remember come up with that idea that like you and I were talking earlier it gives me faith that uh, people you know the younger people uh, hearts are in the right places as well I have heard from several people here in Grafton about Memorial Day and how special it is here it, it really is uh, it's we have a parade that I, I'm almost positive last year was the uh, 150th uh, anniversary that they have uh, celebrated here it is actually next to Christmas it's the biggest event of this town the whole weekend is a it's almost like a homecoming of everybody coming in you know it's kind of the beginning of the kickoff of summer but there's just such a, a feeling of service around here with being there's only two national cemeteries in the state and they're both located right here in Grafton and growing up around here there was always been such a sense of service and uh, there was a gentleman that worked uh, for my father for well over 30 years and was a great family friend and uh, he was a World War II veteran and uh, was in the Battle of the Bulge and uh, we would go there every uh, Memorial Day after the parade and have cookouts and that type of thing so a lot of childhood memories you know tied around that one particular holiday. It's a unique thing. All the school kids, um, when I was a kid, it was probably 98% participation. Now, I don't know that it's quite that high, but they dress in white and they carry flowers and they carry flowers through town during the parade and they take them to the National Cemetery and put them on a random uh, soldier's grave at that point. Uh, not always random. I mean, sometimes it's a relative or it's a, you know somebody that they knew, but it's it's just a really neat thing. Uh, you don't see that sense of uh, patriotism and organization, you know, with that anymore, and it, it's really uh, heartwarming. It truly sounds like it. In fact, the more I hear about it, the more anxious I'm getting, and I can't wait for Memorial Day 2018 to get here so that I can come to Grafton and experience this for myself. In closing, how do you see the future of Grafton? I know that it has gone through many downturns over the years, primarily due to industries leaving, but the town now seems to be trying to turn itself around and even succeeding in some ways. I think it's on the cusp of something really pretty neat. There's been enough activity uh, in this downtown area where they have tried slowly but surely to, uh, you know, revitalize it with some uh, mom and pop type shops that have made the Main Street area much more attractive. I think maybe one or two other little businesses away from uh, really having an active downtown area that uh, could not only help support Grafton, but, you know, even bring in if you know some people from the surrounding communities because uh we 
we have a beautiful um, facility with the the lake here that's just a couple miles up the road and uh, I think that if we could continue to grow on that and we ha- we seem to have a lot of the people you know younger people young professionals that are trying to create these this type of atmosphere which is encouraging because uh, forever everybody always said well you can't do that in Grafton or you, that won't work in Grafton that type of thing and uh, a lot of what we've done in business we kind of fought off some of those stereotypes and been able to succeed and so I, I'm not a real big believer in can't because you know I tell the kids all the time that nobody's gonna the only thing that's gonna determine your altitude your attitude and uh, I think that some people are finally seeing through that. JR thank you so much for taking the time to join me for this interview. No problem thanks for your time. The In Search of America podcast, copyright 2017, all rights reserved. Music by Keith Medley at keithmedleymusic.com.